Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 16, and I want to begin a new series tonight entitled Moving into the Plan and Purpose of God. Moving into the plan and the purpose by God with this subtopic, fueled by prayer, fueled by prayer. Uh, Brother Hagen said something in the early 1980s, and what he said was this. He said, uh, uh, talking about moving into a place of ministry, moving into all that God has for a body, a person. He said, moving into that place of ministry or whatever it is, whether it's full-time ministry or pulpit ministry or personal ministry, he made this statement. He said, whatever your place is in the body of Christ, moving into that place is fueled by prayer, is fueled by prayer. And he said, then it's fired by the Spirit and ignited with His glory. Fueled by prayer, ignited by the Spirit and ignited, or fueled, fired by the Spirit and ignited with His glory. And then he made this statement. He said, but you see, if there's no fuel, there's nothing to ignite. And he said, the Spirit said, notice, fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit, ignited with His glory. And so if there's no fuel, there's nothing to ignite. Plans and purposes of God uh, that we have to move into are those things that are fueled by prayer. And there are things that God desires that we as a church body, we as a people move into. There's a deeper move of the Spirit of God that God desires for us to move into. And these things are helped along by prayer. They're helped along by prayer. And that means that we have to pray into the things that God desires us to walk out and walk into and move into. And in 1 Corinthians 16, (coughs) there's some things that we begin to see. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 8, He said, he's writing to the church, obviously, at Corinth. And we'll start in verse 7. He says, for I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry uh, uh, at a while with you if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. For a great door... And effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul says a great door. The word great there is the Greek word megas, M-E-G-A-S. It's where we get our word mega, all right? And it means it means large, it means big, it means wide, it can mean huge. And Paul says there is this great, wide, big, huge door that is open to me at Ephesus. And he says it's not only big... It's uh, effectual, and the word effectual carries the idea of energetic or active, all right? There's, in other words, there's something popping here at Ephesus, all right? There's something going on that is energetic, amen? (laughs) And he says that he will not see them because of that great door and effectual that had been opened for ministry to him. Great and effectual doors of ministry don't just open. They have to be open. They have to be pressed into. John Wesley said something. Of course, John Wesley was the founder of, of Methodism, and he was a stickler for prayer. And he made this statement. He says, it seems that God can do nothing on the earth unless someone prays. It seems that God can do nothing on the earth unless someone prays. Well, there are things that God wants the body to move into, wants you to move into personally, things that He wants us to see. But again, they're fueled by prayer. All right? The doors that need to open are opened as someone prays. Hallelujah. Because God needs an entry in. In John chapter 10, where Jesus talked about anyone that enters in some other way is a thief and a robber. And He said, but the one that God called enters in by the gate 
and he calls the sheep by name, and then he makes this statement, to him the porter openeth. And the word porter is the word watcher, the person that's watching. And it carries the idea that somebody's got to be praying for that gate to open so Jesus can enter in and rescue the people. It's what Paul said. He said that the, that, that the eyes of unbelievers, are, minds are blinded by the adversary, the God of this world. And the only way that that can be changed is that somebody is pulling down those strongholds. Somebody is praying those things out of the way. Yes, sir. Amen. Hallelujah. And so great and effectual doors don't just open. Now right there in, uh, you're in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Hallelujah. 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 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. Paul says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. A door was opened unto me of the Lord. Well, you find when Paul went to Troas in the book of Acts, when it says that he left the city, and, and, and he and his companions uh, uh, were endeavoring to go into Asia, and it says twice that the Holy Spirit forbade them, and then it says that Paul and his company came to Troas and there appeared in the night a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And, they, and Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, said from that moment on, that became our purpose. That became our endeavor. But notice, he again states that a door of ministry was opened to him by the Lord. All right? And, and it's important to recognize that in both these instances, when he uses this phrase, he's writing to the church at Corinth. Both instances where he talks about this door of ministry that's open, he's writing to the church at Corinth. Now, in Acts chapter 18. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Acts 18 and verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens... And came to Corinth. Verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From henceforth I go to the Gentiles. And he departed and came into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not your peace, because I'm with you, and no man will set on thee to hurt you, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now, this is the record of the founding of the church of Corinth. All right, the church at Corinth, this is the record of it. And notice that Paul was there for a year and a half planting that church and teaching them the word of God. All right, so the, 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 the people that he wrote, First and Second Corinthians 2, this is the record of the planting of their church. There was such a revival there that Paul was there for a year and six months teaching and preaching the word of God. Amen. Now, in Acts chapter uh, 18, verse 18, you're right there in 18, verse 18, and, and Paul after this tarried there a good while, and then took leave of the brethren and sailed into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Caesarea, for he had a vow, and he came to Ephesus, he came to Ephesus, and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not. So this is Paul's first short visit to Ephesus. He's not there for very long. But here's the thing. Something was happening in Corinth between Paul's first visit there and his second visit to Ephesus. All right, something is happening there. All right, because at some point this great and effectual door opens. All right, so Paul's here in Ephesus and he ministers in the synagogue and the people wanted him to stay. The scripture doesn't tell us exactly why, 
he didn't feel led of the Lord to do it, so he didn't consent to it. But something is happening at Corinth between his first and second visit to Ephesus. Notice in 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1. Fueled by prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says, now remember, he's writing to the church at Corinth. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Ephesus is in Asia. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of, de- but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, does deliver, in whom we trust, he will deliver us. The Lord gave me a, a, a statement for that verse some years ago. God did, God does, and God will. If God did, he does, and he still will. Amen? Oh, that's important. But he says, verse 11, you also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks might be given by many on our behalf. So notice, the Woos Bible says, you also helping together on our behalf by your supplication, in order that thanksgiving may be given for the gracious mercy shown to us by reason of the many who prayed for us, who prayed for us. The Passion Translation says, as you labor together with us through prayer. Because there are so many interceding for us, our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God. What a gracious gift of mercy surrounds us because of your prayers. So what's going on between his first and second visits in Corinth, they're praying for him. And what are they praying? We know from Scripture what Paul asked people to pray for him, that utterance would be given. The church at Corinth was interceding for Paul in his ministry. Amen. For Paul and his companions, for what what the ministry needed to do. Every minister, every pastor has to have people that are helping together with prayer. Has to have it. And, and, and when I say that, I don't just mean in your private time. I mean showing up at prayer meeting, showing up on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and coming together and praying. Amen. Why? Because that's setting the tone for the service. That's setting the tone for what God wants to do. Amen. A praying church will be a growing church. Amen. Amen. That's, that, that's just the truth of it. And um, every minister has to have those that are helping together by prayer. Charles Finney, who was probably, if not the greatest, one of the greatest evangelists of all time, uh, 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 before the advent of, of sound systems or electronic means or, or any of those things, Charles Finney saw hundreds of thousands of people born again. Just a tremendous man of God. And he was, he was uh, everywhere he went, revival would come. And it was estimated that somewhere in the neighborhood, the 85 to 90 percent of the people that got born again in his meeting stayed saved. Now that that that's that's interesting because you think even in modern day revivals, what they have found is that all these numbers will get saved, but a large percentage of them won't stay. But in that day, 85 to 90 percent of the people that were born again in his meetings were were that were saved stayed saved. And he said, "I have found." that you can pray revival down. And he said he would find himself in such times of earnest prayer and a spirit of intercession that he would go to God with the word of God and boldly say to the Lord, Lord, you don't think we're not going to have revival here, do you? Because I have your word on it and I will not be denied. Now, at one point in his ministry, midway through his ministry, he came across a man named Daniel Nash. Referred to as Father Nash. Daniel Nash had been a, a minister, a pastor of a church, and, and they had voted him out, and, and he had went through some physical problems, and uh, the Lord had restored him, but he was a man of prayer. And he hooked up with Finney, and everywhere that Finney went, Daniel Nash would take two or three people that he trusted and that knew how to pray, and they would go into the city two or three days before and begin to pray over that city. 
And if you know anything about Finney's ministry, what was so outstanding about it was that the bars would shut down. The brothels would shut down. The city would shut down and come to a place where they were listening to the things of God. But it wasn't just his preaching. It was fueled by prayer. It was fueled by what the Holy Spirit could ignite. If there's no fuel for the ignition, then there's nothing for the glory to light on. And so what would happen is he would, Nash would take a list of people that needed to be prayed for or things that needed to be prayed, and they would focus on that. And, and, and uh, Finney went one year to a place in upstate New York. They called it the Burnt Over District because there had been so many revivals there and so many preachers had been through there. And, of course, uh, his enemies were really withstanding him. But he went in there with this spirit of prayer. Went in there with the spirit of prayer and, and revival hit. And, and it was in that meeting that he reached the 100,000 conversion mark in that meeting, that revival. And they said that the power of God was so strong in that city that you couldn't go to the bank or the store or the restaurant, that people weren't talking about God. The bars shut down. The high school, the kids were saved and, 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 and talking about the things of God. But here's the point. It was fueled by prayer. It was fueled by prayer. Prayer that what? That there would be utterance. That utterance would be granted to the man of God to say what needs to be said in the manner that it needs to be said. Hallelujah. So the church at Corinth was sharing the load of ministry with Paul. The church at Corinth was sharing the load as they interceded for him, as they made prayers on his behalf. And notice something in Acts 19. Thank you, Lord. Acts 19, and we'll start here in verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. Came to Ephesus. So now he's back in Ephesus. He's back in Asia Minor. And in verse 8, we read something. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when different ones were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of that way, before the multitude, he departed from them, separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus, a ministry school, the school of, of ministry of Tyrannus. And this continued, notice this, by the space of two years, so that all they that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord. All that dwelt in Asia. Amen. Both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits came out of them. This is that great and effectual door of ministry that Paul was talking about when he wrote in Corinth. It is such a great and effective door of ministry that notice, fueled by prayer, everyone that dwelt in that region heard the gospel it doesn't say they all got saved but everybody heard it everybody heard it understand something the effectual door of utterance was at least partly due to the prayers of the church at Corinth and notice it was fueled by prayer helping together with prayer so not only was the word going forth but the power of God the anointing of God was so strong that from Paul's body they sent handkerchiefs and aprons and when they laid them on the sick people, the diseases left them. And when they laid them on the demon possessed, the devils left. Can you imagine taking an apron or a handkerchief to a demon possessed person and just putting it on them and the demon leaves? Amen. That was a great and effectual door of utterance. It didn't just happen. It was fueled by prayer and ignited by the Holy Spirit. So this province of Asia would have covered no less than one-third of Turkey. One-third of the nation of Turkey. And it says that everyone who dwelt there heard the word of God. This great, this mega, this huge, this big door of ministry was opened by prayers that were helping Paul do this. Amen. The province of Asia would have covered no less than one-third of Turkey. 
Ephesus became the epicenter spiritually for that entire region. Ephesus became basically the, 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 the home church for the church. It became the largest church in the world. Timothy became the pastor in his early 30s. Estimates are there were 25,000 members in that church. It was a powerhouse for the things of God. And notice where it all started. And notice how it started. It started with someone coming together and say, I'm going to intercede for this ministry. See, very often when, when people talk about the church of Corinth, you know, it bothers me when I hear people, you know, talk ugly about people in the Bible. You know how people always talk ugly about Peter. Yeah, Peter had a big mouth. Yeah, and that person usually saying that, the only time that they ever open their mouth is when they change feet. You know, they got one foot in, and then they got to open it up to put the other one in. So, amen. Hallelujah. But thank God, God Jesus saw more in Peter than we do, or did. Amen. But here's the thing. We read about Corinth. Oh, they put up with the sin from this guy, and, and you know, they were super spirits, and they were that. Yeah, but they were praying, people. They were praying people. There was a godly aspect of that church that said, we're going to come alongside this man that we love with all of our heart and this ministry that, we, that has so impacted our lives and we're going to intercede and uphold them in prayer. Amen. Amen. So Ephesus became that spiritual epicenter to the entire region because a church was willing to help by praying, fueled by prayer, fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. That's so important because the things that God wants to say, and, and I'm going to talk about this in a moment, the things that God wants to say in a region, He will plant a church in that region for them to be saying what they're supposed to be saying, and that thing is fueled by prayer. Not, we say things like this, but nothing God does is by coincidence or happenstance. I'm not here because I didn't have anything else to do. I'm not in Little Rock because I didn't have ministry anywhere else. I was as busy as I could be and, and, and had more than I can do and now i got double more than I can do. But here's the point. God puts a person in a place. We are here tonight because of prayers of generations past that there are people in our city and in our state and in our nation and in our world that need to hear what we're saying. They need to hear what God is saying through this body. And so those prayers are being answered tonight because it's fueled by prayer. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Do you see that? Thank you, Lord. And, and, and that's why, listen, listen, that's, that's why a strong church is a church that's fueled by prayer. When, when, when you come to understand that, uh, too often people look at numbers, both small numbers and large numbers, to determine whether a church is strong. And you have people that maybe they just don't like large churches, but they say, well, you know, you can't, you can't get the same feeling in a, in a large church. Well, I disagree. I mean, but then right on the other hand, you have people that think, well, if you got a lot of numbers, then you're strong. Well, I disagree with that too because I've been in big churches that were deader than a doornail. And I've been in small churches that were on fire for God and doing great things. Yeah. Amen. Here's the point. Uh, for a number of years... A man named uh, Reverend J.R. Goodwin, him and his wife, pastored a church in Pasadena, Texas. They were good friends of Brother Hagen, uh, best friends, as a matter of fact. And uh, 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 a minister that we know very well was asking Brother Hagen one time, she said, uh, why is it, she said, I know that they had such a move of the Spirit in that church. And she said, but why is it that, uh, you know, they never expanded? Because the church only seated about 300 people or so, and they were always putting out chairs when there were guest ministers, it was packed. You know, why were, did they never expand? He said two reasons. He said, number one, they were landlocked. They couldn't expand. And he said, number two, if they would have expanded, they would have sacrificed a deeper flow of the Spirit. They would have sacrificed a deeper flow of the Spirit. Amen. When Brother Hagin, when the Lord began to deal with him and told him he had got his ministry offices out of, out of whack, I don't know if you've ever read the story, heard him tell the story, he fell and, and, and hurt his elbow, and on the way to the hospital, the Lord said, well, I'm going to tell you why this happened. He said, you got your ministry offices out of place, and you've been focusing on the teaching office and neglecting the prophet's office, and he said, that's not the order I gave you them in. I told you you're a prophet and a teacher, all right? And so, anyway, after that, uh, he knew he had to get back in that flow. And he told Buddy Harrison, who was his uh, uh, crusade director at the time, he said, I need you to set me up a lot of meetings, watch, in small churches. 
And people will say, why? He said, because in a large venue, you have so many different belief systems. So many different belief systems that are coming in. And, and it's hard to get in a flow. Amen. One minister said he was in a large auditorium one time and, and the worship was going on. And he said, I was standing there on the, on the platform. And he said, I had my hands raised. And I was just thanking God. Uh, you know, this is so wonderful. All your people in unity and worshiping you. And the Lord said, open your eyes. And he said, I opened my eyes. And he said, it was like that building was dark. And I could only see a few shafts of light throughout the, the, the building. And the Lord said, those shafts of light that you see are people that are in unity. Everybody else isn't. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? When you get a church that's fueled by prayer, that says we're going to pray and we're going to believe God and we're going to get behind what's going on and we're believing for utterance for every speaker that stands behind our pulpit, that they're going to say to us exactly what God wants us to hear and they're going to speak directly to our situation, Amen. then things begin to change. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So my point in saying that is so then what you have is the people that focus on numbers, they begin to work on programs and they begin to work on ways to get people and they begin to work on ways to do this and to do that, but they're forfeiting a deeper flow of the things of God because it's not fueled by prayer. Then right on the other hand, you have people that, that you know, maybe it's a small church or a growing church, and they just want to stay small, and, you know, they want that good old family feel. And, and I understand that. I mean, I'm not against that. But here's what the Lord told me. He said, big churches equal a big impact. Big churches equal a big impact. Amen. Because hear my heart when I say this. I, never, I, I was never worried about a big church. I wanted a strong church. And that's what I focus on. We've done great things for God. We've, we've, listen, from DeSoto, Kansas, little nothing DeSoto, Kansas, we've touched the world. Amen. We, we, we've got churches in Ecuador. We've got churches in Africa. Amen. We've, we, we've got ministers in the Philippines. We've, we've, we've touched the nations. Amen. Consistently. We've written books. We have television ministry. Everything that so many people look at and say that's a mark of success for a church, that's what they view it as. We view it as getting it out there on every available voice so people can hear what God's doing. It's not about having my face on TV. I Listen, I fought God for years about being on TV. Let my wife be on TV. I want to pastor a church, and that's all I want to do. I want to preach on Wednesday and Sundays and, and lead programs and build the church. Let her travel. Let her be on TV. And boy, she did it for a long time. And finally God said, okay, wait a minute, there's a door that needs to be opened, but you got to walk through it. Amen. Do, do you see this? My point in saying that to you is, so I was always concerned. I want a strong church. Strong church is what's important to me. But a strong church is fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Notice something in Ephesians 6. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Never, never overlook why God brought you somewhere. He brought you to that place for a reason. Amen. He brought you there for a reason. There's something for me to do. There's something for me to get involved in. Amen. There's something for me to press into. Hallelujah. And, and I may not even know why. I may not even know why I was there other than somebody was praying. Amen. Notice Ephesians 6, verse 18. Paul says, now this is after, now, now notice Ephesians is written to the church at Ephesus. And right here in Ephesians 6, he outlines the whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, shoes of truth, right? Uh, or or shield, shoes of peace, loin belt of truth, sword of the spirit. But then notice in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints and for me. So notice you can take the first word praying for me. That what? 
that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus where this great effectual popping door of ministry was open and he says, listen, you need to put yourself in the armor of God every day and, and there are people that I know that will go through that armor of God and put it on every day. But then he says, oh, and praying. Right, you can, you can be there with the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, all the armor. But if I'm not praying, I'm not making the effectual inroads that I could be making. Amen. Amen. So he's instructing the church at Ephesus to pray in the Spirit and pray for all saints. Then he tells them what to pray for him. That utterance may be given to him. That utterance may be given to him. Every church should be praying that utterance is given to their pastor. Every church. We should be praying for the meetings in DeSoto. They should be praying for the meetings here. Ever what meeting there is. In faith explosion this year. Lord, give my pastor, give Pastor Caldwell utterance that they'll speak into our church exactly what needs to be said because there are things that need to change, things that need to be different, things that need to be rearranged. And you can come and sit in one service where people have been praying that utterance will be given and God will give you a word that will totally redirect your life because it's an utterance of the Holy Spirit and it's fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Because God will bring people where people are praying. You know, I've often said, and, and, and uh, uh, I'll say this, you know, when God began to deal with me to, to go to DeSoto, to, uh, to pastor, uh, I knew, I, I volunteered, I, I was willing because I knew his voice, all right, not because I wanted to go there, I, I had held a meeting for them and I had no desire to go back, amen, no desire to go back, it was a very religious atmosphere, I, nothing against the people that were there, I've, I've still got people that were there when we first came. But the point is, it was a very religious atmosphere. It was, it was stuck in the 70s. It was, it was very, very spiritually backwards. Amen. But here's what I didn't know. Here's what I didn't know. For, for, for months, maybe years, maybe two years, there were about three ladies that were meeting every Monday night for prayer. And, and, and one of them was, was Kathleen Mumal, who is, uh, uh, y'all know Ron Poole, Ron's mother, all right? Uh, her mom, Jean Tillery, Jean's in heaven, and Pastor Marie Price in Clarksville. And here's what they were praying. Lord, send us a pastor who has the tenacity and the spiritual strength to stand up against this religious stuff and change our church. That's what they were praying. That's what they were praying. Amen. Do you understand? That's what they were praying. And they prayed that every Monday night. They prayed that every Monday night. See, this thing is fueled by prayer. And so I've told you about the Monday night that I was on the platform there in Kansas underneath the piano we had at the time praying in intercessory prayer. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you were not my first choice, you were my third choice. Now that's, that's not a, a bad thing. It's not the, I was third best. It was he asked two other people to do something and they didn't do it. And so he said, now I'm asking you now, will you get it done? So yes, we'll get it done. All right. But I understood something from the very beginning. This thing's got to be fueled by prayer. This thing's got to be fueled by prayer. See, I can't ever take prayer lightly like it doesn't matter. Well, you know, if I'm not in prayer meeting, it don't matter. Well, no, I mean, it doesn't matter in the sense that prayer's going to be going on, but it can matter where, where what you hear is concerned. It can matter with what, where what you hear is concerned. The, the problem that I had this year with FBIMA, I'll be real honest with you, I, I hesitated to, to start it back up because it, 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 it's going to take place on Monday nights and Monday night's been intercessory prayer. And those that have been coming to intercessory prayer, we've been moving some things. We've been moving them. And so the Lord said, well, it's real easy. Just put the emphasis, shift the emphasis over to Sunday morning. And so that's what we're doing. The Lord asked us to have Sister Mary over here head up intercessory prayer on Sunday morning. She's doing a phenomenal job, doing a great job. 
in there. They're, they're praying the things out that, that God is placing on our heart. But here's the thing. Everything that God desires to do will come forth by prayer, fueled by prayer. What do I need to want to hear? What do I need to be hearing? Words from heaven that God desires to be spoken into the earth. There are things that God desires to be spoken into the earth, into the atmosphere in our cities, our state, our nation, and our world, and they're only going to come forth as utterance is given to the vessels that are preaching and the vessels that are teaching. Amen. There are things that God desires to be spoken into the earth, but there has to be, notice, effective doors open so they can be ministered. Amen. When, when, when the Lord began to, to deal with me to come to Little Rock, and uh, we did, and, and we hadn't been in this building very long, and I was back in the student room praying one, one afternoon here, and uh, I, was, I was there, and I was on my knees praying, and the Lord said to me, uh, I asked him, I said, Lord, I don't mind doing anything you've asked me to do. I said, but, you know, why, why us? I mean, we already had a, a, a thriving church. I mean, what, you know, why do you want us to pastor two churches? And why did you ask us? He said, because I knew you would. But, but here's something that, that, that I've learned. Here's something that I've learned. When God asked us to do that and, and we moved into it, the Lord said something one time to my wife through a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, however you want to put it. She was driving back listening to a series by Keith Moore. It was, it was from the week of increase and a few years ago. And he was talking about the battle for Iwo Jima in World War II. And he had been watching something on the History Channel. And, and, and you know, Iwo Jima is an island not, not but about two miles wide and a few miles long. It's not very big. And uh, uh, just a, a sulfur rock out there in the middle of the ocean. But yet, in order to get that rock, they paid in over 6,000 casualties and 20,000 plus wounded just to take that little rock out there in the middle of the ocean. And he made a statement in there. He said, that little rock was strategic. And the Lord said to my wife, little rock is strategic. Little rock is strategic. Why? Because I hear a lot of times people talking about strongholds of darkness and strongholds in cities and strongholds here and strongholds there. Understand something. God... Is, is telling us something. That what we're doing in Little Rock is of strategic importance. It's of strategic importance. It's important to the kingdom of God. It's important to those that want to hear what we have to say. Little Rock is strategic. And so people talk a lot about strongholds of sin and strongholds of darkness. God says, I want there to be places that are strongholds of faith. Strongholds of the word. And he will put a church in that city to be that. Well, that thing is fueled by prayer. That thing is fueled by prayer. When Paul needed to, what Paul needed to speak was the key to the freedom of that region. I need utterance to be bold because what I have to say is the key to setting those people free. And, and I need the boldness to do it. The word that is spoken in our churches from the pulpit is the key in many cases to the city. Amen. It's the key in many cases to the city. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When, when my pastor, when he pastored uh, Agape before he transitioned over, I can't tell you how many times I've heard him preaching. And he would be, he would be preaching. And, and in the middle of that, he would begin to recount things. How he was in Ed Dufresne's basement in Southern California. They were there to visit. And he was praying. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go back to Little Rock, Arkansas. And I want you to raise up a spiritual production center, producing life, touching city, state, nation, and world. And he came back here weeping 
weeping and crying and came back to Little Rock and began to look for a place to, to start a church and he couldn't find a building. They wouldn't help. They wouldn't even share a building with him because he believed in speaking in tongues. So he went down there off Barrow Road and found those that, that shopping center that had just been opened and rented three of those stalls and started Agape Country Church. Amen. Hallelujah. But you can, you can listen to recordings from those days and he would be preaching and he would say this. He would say over and over again, God has given this city into our hands for the preaching of the gospel. God has given this city into our hands for the preaching of the gospel. We are raising up a spiritual production center producing life, city, state, nation, and world. And the thing about that is, is when those words were spoken, purpose became clear for those that were in the church. Ideas became clear. Everything had to line up with that vision. It's not just vision. It's not just, it's not just a, 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 a desire. It's what the Holy Spirit is fueling by prayer. Those words that define a body define what that body is to the city. We are faith builders. That's not just where you go to church. That's what you are. You are builders of faith. You build faith on your job. You build faith in your home. You build faith everywhere you go. Anybody needs their faith built, you got it. Amen. Do you understand that? Because that's what God, it's strategic. It's strategic. It's strategic. Amen. And so those things are not just things that are said. They're not just, that. those are utterances that come forth under the, the unction of the Holy Spirit. And that, that thing is fueled by prayer. And when you pray, Father, give my pastor utterance. Give, give the speaker utterance today. Father, from the beginning to the end, Lord, over the offering, over the sermon, whatever it may be, utterance is given. And, and, and then those rescues can occur. Things can occur in church that rescue people and, and they didn't even know they were going to hear that. People, people say he wasn't even preaching on this and he just went that direction. Somebody was praying that there would be utterance. Amen. Amen. And see, what, what, what God speaks to the leaders of a body, that's you take your prayer cues from that. When, when God says to the leader or to the people, we're moving this direction, then that becomes my prayer cue. Yes, that's, that's the avenue that I begin to pray down. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, you know, you know uh, 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 we're believing for a turnkey building, so then you begin to pray that out. Amen. God might show you the building. Amen. Well, I believe He'd show you first. Well, He might, but He might show you if you're praying about it, what, whatever it may be. Amen. I'm taking my prayer cues from what's being said, from the utterances that are being given forth, the utterances that are being given forth. When God began to talk to us about 2020, and, you know, He talked about this being what? The year of, of expectation, manifestation, transformation, the year of the, the manifestation of your expectation. Well, you know, people are seeing that. The world may not be, but people are seeing that. He said it was the year of 2020, and the word 20 is the word, the number for expectancy. And he said, so double your expectancy. It's the year of double expectancy. You know, when I say this, when I make this statement that this has been the best year financially ever for this ministry, I'm not bragging on the ministry. I'm telling you that God has something for you that is better than any other year that you've ever experienced. Why? That's an utterance. That's not just words. That's something the Holy Spirit is inspiring us to say. And now he says, I want you to start looking forward to 2021 because it's going to be a year of light and magnificent victory. Amen. Hallelujah. And those, those, those things will change my life. And it's, it's fueled by prayer. There are things that have to be picked up in the Spirit. There, there, there are things that have to be... I, I, I don't say a lot about everything that the Lord tells me because He told me a number a long time ago to say nothing before the time. And so I, I try to just meditate on what he's saying. But folks, listen, there are things. Lord, help me say this right. There are things 
that get laid down in the spirit. And they have to be picked up by somebody and carried out. When uh, in that short span of time, uh, Dr. Dufresne and Charles Capps went to heaven back here a few years ago. And uh, I think Dr. Dufresne went in 2013 and, and uh, Brother Capps shortly thereafter. But anyway, uh, I, was, I was praying about that one day and I, I, said, I said, Lord, you know, I mean, uh, I don't want to know everything that happened, but, you know, that, they, they, they impacted our life greatly. And the Lord said this to me. He said, rooms are being vacated. And I said, okay. And I, I knew what he was talking about because Scripture, you'll remember, when Elijah was in the cave, God came and told him, look, I got, <laughs> got 7,000 who have never bowed their knee to Baal. Now, you get up. And you go anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king over Israel. And you go anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, to be prophet in your room. King James says stead. The word means room. All right? He's going to be prophet in your room. Well, if you read the Bible uh, uh, and read the, the, the account, it was a while before Elijah died. Elisha served him. But he was in that room of the prophet. And when Elijah left, Elisha stepped into that room. And the Lord said to me, he said, he said, men that are anointed leave the earth, but their anointings never leave the earth. They never leave the earth. I mean, if, if, if you just, if you watch Keith Moore for five minutes, you understand he stepped into Kenneth Hagin's room. He just did. He did. I told a, guy, a, a man one time, I had, can I tell you all this real quick? I was in Marietta, California. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I only say what happens. And we had been at uh, some meetings there with uh, Pastor and Miss Jeannie. We traveled with them and, uh, and helped them. And they were there at Marietta at Pastor Nancy's church. And so we had gotten home a little late and, and uh, uh, we were resting and and, and sleeping, we had to get up early in the next morning to, to fly home. And it was probably 3 o'clock in the morning. And I had a, a night vision. And in this night vision, I was in an apartment. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, there was a, a, a lady there by the name of Kate McVeigh. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of, of Kate McVeigh. She's a, 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 a female preacher. And uh, that probably sounds bad, but she's a minister of the gospel and happens to be a lady. And uh, then a friend of mine named Scott Webb, and uh, uh, he was there. And uh, <clears throat> in any event, we were talking, and I told them, I said, Brother Hagen really liked being, watch, in this room, in this room. And in that vision, Scott said to me, this room? I said, yes, this room. And boy, he jumped up on me and grabbed me and laid hands on me and said, that anointing's still in this room. And I was sharing that with a friend of mine. And he said, well, you know, there'll never be but one Brother Hagin. And he didn't understand. I wasn't saying that I carried that anointing. or That's not what I'm saying. What God was trying to show me was those anointings that are in that room never leave. They never leave. Right? And somebody's got to come and pick them up. Somebody's got to come and pick them up. And so, hear, let, hear me when I say this. So even in cities, you'll see a church that was mightily anointed in a certain vein. And maybe they'll transition. Or the founder will die. Or whatever the case may be. And new leadership will come in. And the, and the vision will change. And the, the, the direction will change. The purpose for that original body didn't die. And somebody's got to come pick it up. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Amen. And so then it's fueled by prayer when we begin to say, God, our purpose, our reason for being here, Lord, help us walk that out. We are building in Little Rock, Arkansas, a stronghold of faith and a stronghold of the Word because it is of strategic importance. Little Rock is strategic. Amen. And the whole surrounding area is strategic. 
Oh, glory be to God. So every church body has to give adequate time to intercessory prayer so that church can move into all that God's planned for them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's so important. And, and moves of God are lost because people quit picking things up. I said to my pastor one time, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's not what I'm doing. I'm just picking up what's been laid down. Remember when Elijah went up in the whirlwind? And, and very often, very often, we, 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 we know this story. And I'm not saying you, but I'm saying I think people miss something. Because the, the, the mantle came down and he picked it up. He picked up that mantle. And you know, very often we, we focus on, he, he went with him through all these stages. And that's true and that's important. But when he walked back over to the River Jordan and struck the water, he said, where's the God of Elijah? Well, what's the answer? With Elisha. Well, how was he with him? In the anointing. In the anointing. He picked something up that had been dropped. Oh, glory to God. Amen. So it's strategic. And, 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 and when you think about what God has for us to do and the things that God has for us to walk out, then the reason for being here becomes all evident and much more important. Your part of what we're doing is vital. Because every person that was storming that beach on Iwo Jima, it didn't matter what rank they were, it didn't matter what position they had, it, it was important and strategic to the success of what they were doing. Amen. Amen. And so these things are, again, fueled by prayer, ignited by the Holy Spirit, fired by the glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was ministering this afternoon uh, for the, the Kansas location. And... Uh, I want to, every, every week on Wednesday night, I want them to have a message that's just for them. And uh, uh, I preach the same thing, but it always comes out completely different. But uh, towards the end of that meeting today, and, and there were some here, Brother Vernon was helping us record, and Kimberly was here, and this spirit of prayer just came on me. And, uh, and, and uh, I began to pray out what the Lord was saying, and He showed me two things. The first thing he showed me was the glory that's coming on the church. And he kept making this statement over and over again, the glory door is open, the glory door is open, the glory door is open, it's coming. But then he showed me something else, and, and it so startled me that I cried out, God, what is that? Because he showed me the United States, and I saw all the political colors, red and blue. Now, I don't remember which state was which. I just saw the colors. And he showed me the border of Canada and America. And I saw coming out of that border blood. And it, and it was the blood of Jesus. And it was, it was coming down over this nation. But I saw some things. And there were certain states. And when I cried out, God, what is that? It so bothered me. It was the most repulsive, sick-looking, vile, like a, a black cancer that was pussy and runny in those states. And it was fighting against the blood of Jesus. And I'll tell you the states I saw it in Nevada, New York, California. I, I saw that. And, and the Lord spoke to me, and He said, those people that in those states, they have a large group of people that are fighting against what I want to do. Amen. But he has, notice, he has us entering into that door. 
We know what to pray about. We're, we're going to shut that down in the name of Jesus. Amen. And, and, and I told my wife, I told her afterwards in her office, I said, uh, I said uh, I've never been out that far before. But God's moving us into greater things. And He's going to take this body into another realm. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all of my heart. And it's going to be fueled by prayer. And I just feel led to say this before we go. The things that God has spoken over your life, I'm telling you something. They are going to come to pass. They are going to come to pass. Hallelujah. They're going to come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you for these things that are fueled by prayer, these things that are ignited by the Spirit, fired by your glory. Father, we just declare in the name of Jesus that we declare that the sword of the lying tongue is dulled in our nation and that the sword of the lip of truth is sharpened to razor sharpness and cuts through the deception and the lies and that the lie is made known and the deception is laid bare and that the truth comes out. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for the victory in those areas. And we speak to those areas in those states that are coming against the things of God. And we tell you in the name of Jesus that we take our place of authority and you cease in your activity. We pull down that strong man in the name of Jesus. You come down. You come down off your throne. You have no authority there. Jesus Christ crushed your head and gave us authority over you. And we are men and women of the power of God in this earth. And we declare in the name of Jesus an end to these things the enemy's trying to bring on our nation. And into it in the name of Jesus. There'll be no cancers as I saw in these states. They will, it will not thrive. It will not prosper. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Thank you for the glory door being open. Thank you for the glory being poured out. Thank you for the manifestation of your goodness. Thank you for the manifestation of your peace and your power. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you make your ministers a flame of fire. Thank you, Father, that you give us boldness to speak the Word of God without fear, without hesitation, without regret. Father, thank you that you are raising up in this location a church that builds faith and frame world by the Word of God. That you are raising up a spiritual distribution center that will distribute the Word of faith in every, every, every available voice. Lord, in the voices that you give us, we will produce it. Father, we thank you. And may every person find their place. May every person be, be motivated to say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to approach this? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. And many will come. And many will come to this church. And many will come to this church that, that had been in positions of ministry. And when they come to this church, they will have been in a dry place. Ha ha. Oh, but the anointing is going to come on in a greater measure. And it's going to come on in a double measure. And it's going to be more than it's ever been. And it's going to be greater than it's ever been. And even the prophetic insight that you feel like you used to walk in so keenly and so vibrantly. Oh, it's going to come back and it's going to be like having LASIK surgery, says the Lord. It's going to be cloudy one day, but you're going to wake up the next day and it's going to be clear and bright. Oh, glory to God. For those things that I've promised and those things that I've declared, they are written and they are on record and they shall surely come to pass. Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Oh, I believe God. I believe God. Let's stand up, everyone. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God.
Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Ah, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, <laughs> glory. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That back is loosening up. That back is loosening up in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, I see that. I, I see those muscles. I see that inflammation. Oh, it's, it's loosening right now. Father, I just grab a hold of that in, in the spirit. I grab a hold. There it goes. Boy, that's on fire right in the name of Jesus. Oh, Namase, they, they, they're going to feel that heat right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yep, supple, supple, going to be easy to move. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.